What's going on, everybody, and welcome to Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. I'm your host, Brian Chairs, and on today's episode, I am joined by one of the hosts of another wrestling podcast, Jonathan Benjamin. Jonathan has been a wrestling fan for over 30 years. We talk about his earliest wrestling memories, his massive merchandise collection, and how he got into the wrestling podcasting world. Plus, we're going to do some rapid-fire questions, answer listener questions, and Jonathan's going to give us his top 10 list of wrestlers that he's interviewed. In addition, we're of course going to be talking about all things going on in the world of professional wrestling today. Guys, it's time. Like the great Gorilla Monsoon once said, it's going to be a happening. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. Hey guys, it's Friday, and you know what that means. It's time for Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. Uh, Before we get going into the interview today with Jonathan, uh, let's do a little bit of housekeeping from last week. Uh, First off, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who listened, shared, tweeted, Facebooked, Instagrammed, reviewed anything uh, to last week's episode. Mike Palladino was my first guest. We've been friends for over 25 years, so it was only natural to have him as my first guest, as I, uh, my first guest, I should say, as I embark on this podcasting journey. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. I just hope that it goes somewhere and I have some fun while it takes me there. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that, but yeah, seriously, thank you so much to everybody who listened. I really do appreciate it. Everybody who reached out to me, gave me some criticism, gave me some advice, gave me some uh, props, whatever it was. I really do appreciate everything and everybody. Um, yeah, I know uh, there were a couple audio issues last week. I hope those to be fixed uh, today and going forward. I realized that once I recorded the interview with Mike as I was recording, uh, my microphone was too far away from me, so I kind of sounded a little muffled or a little far away or a little dubbed in or whatever you want to say. Um, full disclosure, uh, we recorded that on Zoom December 22nd, I want to say. So it was uh, a little bit before we released it, but with the holidays and everything, uh, I just figured that'd be the easiest way for us to record this and get it in the can uh, for a January 1st launch. Um Anyway, I'm still new at this. I'm hoping to get better as time goes along uh, with transitions, editing. Just stick with me. Uh, you know, I think, I think the more I do this with everything, pretty much, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Uh, practice makes perfect, they say. Also, I just want to say we are now on Apple Podcasts. There's a little bit of a delay with that at first, but we are on Apple Podcasts now. And I would really appreciate it if you could leave me a five-star review Um, it helps out a lot. It helps out more than you guys know. I never really realized how much reviews and subscriptions, uh, really meant to, uh, podcasts. I, I listen to podcasts all the time and I've never really thought about leaving a review for anybody, but now that I have my own, I see really just how important it is to have the reviews, uh, from all your listeners. So if you could do that, leave me a five-star review on Apple podcasts. I will seriously appreciate it. Uh, also in addition to that, I'm going to be doing this thing. If you leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts um, and screenshot it and send it to me on Twitter at TLChairsPod, 
I will be picking every week somebody, somebody's review and reading it on the air. So I'll give you a little bit of a shout out on the air. Uh, again, that's on Apple Podcasts only, and you have to leave me a five-star review. Yeah, and finally, before we get going here into episode two, I do want to talk a little bit about Brody Lee. I did put a little blurb in at the end of last week's pod, uh, mentioning it and mentioning his terrible passing. Uh, but I didn't really talk too much in depth about it, but I wanted to just talk here real quick. He was underrated. He really was like, it's one of those things that they say, you don't know what you have till it's gone. And it's really true in this case. I, uh, ever since, you know, he passed, I went back and watched a couple of his matches and man, they were good. They were good. It's a shame he never got put in that uh, uh, title match, <clears throat> excuse me, at WrestleMania 33 against Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. He was getting a lot of momentum at the time, and it just would have been really cool. I don't think he would have won, but it would have just been cool to see him get that spotlight. Probably my favorite match of his would have been uh, against Dolph Ziggler at TLC 2014 in a ladder match. For anybody who doesn't know this already, you'll probably learn this pretty quickly listening to this podcast that I'm a huge Dolph Ziggler fan. Uh, he's currently my favorite wrestler on TV. Uh, I don't care where he is on the card. He will always be my favorite wrestler as long as he's actively on TV. Um, but yeah, his match with Brody Lee, Luke Harper at Tables, Ladders, and Chairs 2014. Ladder match, just incredible. Just really, really good. If you get a chance go out of your way and watch that again. It was just, just awesome. Uh, I was in Ziegler's hometown of, I believe Cleveland as well. So the crowd was hot. It was the opening match. It just, it, it was just awesome. Uh, other matches that, you know, Brody has had that have been unreal were when he was with the Wyatts, it was the Wyatt family versus the shield elimination chamber 2014 and his dog collar match most recently with Cody in AEW. Unfortunately, that one turned out to be uh, his last match, which just awful. But uh, what, a, what a match to go out on. It was it was a good match. And I never I actually think that was probably the first ever dog collar match I've ever actually watched. And, uh, you know, I didn't know really what to expect going into it, but I I enjoyed it for what it was. And it was awesome. So I just wanted to touch on that again. Uh, before we get going here, just a sad situation overall and everything they've done for his family and his kid uh, coming out of that is just wonderful. So you got to give credit to AEW. I know on Dark this past week, they filmed some stuff with uh, Brody Lee Jr., negative uh, one, uh, getting into it with uh, Marco Stunt and they did a pull apart. And if, if you get a chance, go to the YouTube channel um, and just check it out. Just really cool stuff that they're doing with his son. And I know he's got a, he signed a contract apparently that goes into effect on his 18th birthday if he decides to, you know, pursue wrestling. So that's pretty cool. Just good stuff and sad situation, but AEW seems to be making the most out of it and the best out of it as best as they can. All right, guys, joining me right now is one of my good friends. He is a farmer by day, a podcaster by night, and honestly, he is just one of the overall greatest human beings walking this earth. My good buddy, Jonathan Benjamin, or as I call him, JB. What's going on, man? 
Wow. I don't, I mean, I think we should just probably stop right there. Um, because the longer I talk, the, the more people will find out that, uh, some of those things you said probably aren't the most true, but I really appreciate it. And I'm super excited to be on your show and I'm just so happy, um, and proud that you started this one of the most passionate people about wrestling or just anything that I've ever met. So it is my honor to be here uh, today with you. Hey, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. And, the feelings uh, mutual with that. I, uh, it's an honor to have you, and I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I've talked to you about doing a podcast or just talking wrestling with you for years and years and years. So it's it's great that we could finally do this and uh, get this done. Absolutely, you did send the check though, right? It's it's in the mail. Okay, good. Yeah, because I I haven't done a lot of these, and you know, so I just wanted to make sure that I am getting paid. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the holidays are over, but so it. It should be there soon, but I mean, the postal service had some problems last month. So yes, yes. Well, we'll, we'll. I'm, I'm sure you're good for it. So yep, yep. You got it. You got it. All right. Uh, let's get started here. Um, tell everybody where did it all begin for you? Like, what are your earliest wrestling memories? Wow. Um. So I'm from the Midwest originally. I grew up in Southern Indiana, um, with no cable, no um, satellite for a very long time. So I grew up on public television and usually after cartoons, there would be some sort of local wrestling. Uh, For me, it was USWA and that was based out of Tennessee or Kentucky or, you know, that, that area there. I, I grew up watching Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett and um, a lot of the people started coming up through USWA and going into the WWE. We know that, Rocky Maivia, or as he was known back in the day, Flex Kavana. He started in USWA, PG-13, who were members of Nation of Domination. The guy who um, in USWA was Spellbinder, but in WWE, he had a brief run as like Fantazo or something. He was like a wrestling magician. So um, I started to watch that, and then I would watch WWF at the time whenever I could, Um, We had a local um, video store called Hometown Video, and every Saturday I was able to go there and grab the latest Coliseum home video, whether it be a WrestleMania or a compilation. So I watched a lot of wrestling as a kid and um, would go to any show that I could. Usually it would be like one, one show a year we would get, and it would be out of Evansville, Indiana, Roberts, Roberts Stadium, and um, there would be you know, just, uh, we know them now as house shows, but the Northeast is always getting them and and we would get maybe one a year. But, um, I will say that my fandom started to grow. Um, I started to collect the LJN figures and then that went into the, the Hasbro figures. And, um, my mom, bless her heart would, um, drive me down to Louisville gardens on uh, Tuesdays and I would watch live wrestling there. And, uh, I got bit, by the bug and um watched it forever and then gosh now it's been about 13 years i moved up here and um you know as you know in the northeast you used to be able to go to a show pretty much every night of the week and um and i met you at uh going to a, a northeast wrestling show so um i've watched wrestling in some form um less nowadays um 
but you know, I'm still passionate about it and will defend it no matter what. And, uh, I've watched it. I'm 37. So probably about 34 years I've watched professional wrestling. So that's awesome. That's great. You mentioned uh, USWA it was. Yep. When, when you went to those shows, when you were a kid, like you said, you saw like the rock and those guys, did you ever meet anybody back then who turned out to be maybe, did you meet the rock back then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So what's crazy about those shows are similar to what we would call like a, you know, an independent show today. So we would go to Louisville gardens on Tuesday nights and it was not assigned seats. You just got your ticket and people would get there super early. And as soon as the doors would open, they would run to like front row or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, they would do sort of an intermission. And after the matches, the wrestlers would set up a table and they would have their, their back then it was printout. There was no headshots or anything like that. Somebody would go and take a picture of the wrestler and gear and print out like a five by seven and go and get like 50 of them made. And you could go and meet these wrestlers and take a picture with them and sign, they would sign, you know, whatever you brought. And I met Jerry Lawler. I met Brian Christopher. I met, um, like I mentioned, PG 13, which happened to be JC ice and Wolfie D um, miss. They called her miss Texas back in the day, but Jacqueline um, she wrestled down there. She was a, a big name there. Um, Jeff Jarrett would show up every now and then crazy people like techno team 2000. They, they started down there, um, which I believe one of those was Eric Watts, um, who I, I met down there, uh, dangerous Doug Gilbert. Um, I did meet the rock and my one rock story. And this is, I mean, I, I try not to like say things like this too much just because, it was a non, it was really nothing. It was crazy, but right. um, you got to know these wrestlers and you knew that like where they were going afterwards. And so in, in Louisville, after the show, they would go to like a waffle house. So the fans knew this and they would follow them there or whatever. And it was my birthday one year. And so after the show, my mom took us to this waffle house just to get food. And some of the wrestlers were there. I believe it was the, the usual suspects, Brian Christopher, PG 13, whatever. And so my mom had said to them, like, it's his birthday. And they came over and said, happy birthday and took a picture with me and all That's that awesome. stuff. And, um, at this time, um, I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't really know how it worked or anything. And in came Flex Cavana, who was the rock. And there was literally nothing special about him at that point. You know, like you could tell he was one of them, like, cause he was a big guy, but right. he walked in the, to Waffle House to him and whatever gave him five because i was a young kid at the time and then you know he got his food to go he didn't actually stay in in the waffle house okay. so he got his food and and left and that was that but you know like i went up and and talked to him and i don't know that that happened again i know that i went to lots of those little shows yep um and i remember something that's cool about this too is the head announcer at um, Louisville was Lance Russell, which is like a very legendary name in, in sports entertainment. And um, you could go up and someone would say, oh, it's my grandma's birthday today or whatever. And like during that intermission, Lance would get on and say, we've got a very special birthday today. It's, you know, Edna Johnson is 90 <laughs> years old or and, and that that day I that, you know, they announced my name. So that's awesome. Um, it was it was just so fun. You know, it was back before 
I mean, some, some form of dirt sheet existed, I'm sure, but it was back when people just enjoyed it. And I've never seen more passionate people um, with maybe the exception of the Northeast, but yeah. you know, like this was that, that quintessential when you would hear about old women that were like hitting the wrestlers and stuff yep. and man, they lived for it. They really did. They, they were screaming. I mean, they were, they were face to face with these wrestlers. So a lot of fun times. And, and, and again, blessed my mom's heart for uh, taking, taking me down there. Cause it was like an hour and a half drive. Like it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere nearby. So I'm, I'm so happy that I have those shows and those memories. That's awesome, man. I mean, there's not too many people who can say that they met the rock in a small town at a waffle house back in, you know, 1996, 1997. And that's just a great memory to have. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Um, that's where you started and where your fandom started, but you became for a time, I don't know if you still are now, but for a time, I would say you were the craziest and most passionate wrestling fan that I know or knew of. Uh, I remember the first time I walked into your apartment eight years ago and you had two bookcases side by side. One was red and one was blue to represent raw and SmackDown. And dude, I don't know if there's, I don't even know if there's a word for that. Like that's, that's almost sick, but I loved it. And I remember leaving and thinking to myself, man, like I need a setup like that. And you actually, if you look over my shoulder here, I got a couple of details behind me. Um, the listeners can't see, but I first saw those at your place. And again, I was like, this is insane. And you just had so much, your collection was just massive. You've had so much stuff. I remember watching a pay-per-view at your house and the seats that we sat on were actually pay-per-view seats that you collected from shows that you had gone to. And uh, just tell us a little bit, like, how did you start collecting this stuff? What do you remember like your first action figure or magazine or, and just how did this grow into what it became? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I want to start off by saying like um, sometimes nowadays people look down on people who do have like collection, you know, you, you hear the thing about, living in your parents' basement or whatever. And honestly, what I, I don't like is this this idea of if you're passionate about something, you have to kind of keep it a secret. Like there's no real reason for that. Like why would I why would I watch wrestling for 34 years and not like have something to show for it? So anybody out there who's a collector of wrestling or pops or um like anything you collect, like, that's fine. That's, that's on you. And that's, you know, as long as you're paying your bills and taking care of stuff, like, why not, you know, like life short. So, absolutely. Um, you know, so to, to speak a little bit about like where, where it all started for me, um, I grew up, like I said, in a very small town and the closest place for me to be able to get any sort of action figure or anything like that was in um, Evansville, Indiana. So, it's about an hour drive for me. And I remember, you know, growing up and um, I got the wrestling magazines. And um, one day I was in Evansville with my mom and my dad and I was in the back seat. And I remember looking at the book and we were at, we were at a sizzler, which was a steakhouse. And on the back of the, the book, it had the very first like LJN, like the kind of like the checklist of yep. the, the things and it had like the cage and all of that. So I begged, begged, begged my parents to get it, like, let me get something. And um, 
there was a toy store that I don't know if it was a chain or whatever, but it was called Children's Palace. And um, I walked in, grabbed, I believe, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, my first actual action figure was either Roddy Piper or George the Animal Steel, but it was the LJN. And um, those things, you know, the rubber things that weigh about 74 yep. pounds. So do you still have uh, them? I have, uh, I think I have the Rowdy Piper one. I don't know That's about awesome. the, 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 the George the Animal Steel went through a rough pay. I think his <laughs> arm, I mean, like they were almost indestructible, but I think the fingers got like messed with or whatever. But from that day forward, um, it was kind of the, the, I don't think I cared so much about collecting the LJNs as much, but I did go really hard with the Hasbros. I think I had everyone, you know, and what was awesome was my dad was very creative and would always try to help me. Like I had the Hasbro ring and he helped me make like a entrance way. And I would, I would have like a boom box with the wrestling tape yep. and I would hit play and then I would walk the wrestler out and, and do all that. So, you know, I grew up in the perfect time for nostalgia and action figures and all that stuff. I'm a child of the eighties. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we were spoon fed all that, you know, whether it be, gi joe or you know masters of the universe or he-man or any of those things and i i really focused on wrestling and then i grew up right in the 90s when obviously the attitude era hit and um after hasbro made their figures we hit a dry spell for a long time there was nothing until jack specific came in right and i i remember like it was yesterday you know i found out on the internet somehow that these action figures were a thing and i remember don't yell at me if I'm wrong, but I remember that first set of Jacks. I think it was Sean, Brett, Goldust, Sid, and maybe Razor. Okay. Yeah. I, maybe Undertaker might've been in there too. Undertaker. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was either four or six of them and maybe those, some of those were season, or series two or whatever, but I called the, at this point we had a Toys R Us. I called the Toys R Us and I said, did you get this in? I called them every day, every day, every day. Did you get them in? Did you get them in? They said, yes, we got them in. And I said, listen, I'm an hour away. I'm going to beg my mom to drive me there. Can we, can we How get old are you? Oh, uh, I mean, it was, I was like 96, 97 probably. Okay. So I was in sixth or seventh grade. So, Incredible. you know, whatever that was, I, you know, I'm saying, can I go down there? Can we get them? My mom's like, yep. Yeah. I, I, Toys R Us, they agreed to set like one set aside for me. Usually they didn't do that, but they, they could tell that I was going to be there. So I went down there picked them up and, and, you know, Jack's had some amazing figures for the time. Like, you know, we didn't know any better, but um, I was a big collector of that. And then probably, you know, high school ended, college ended. I still collected all the DVDs and stuff. Mm -hmm. I just, I wasn't really into the figures anymore. And then, um, you know, I moved up here and uh, I, I went to shows and met other wrestling fans and collectors and all that stuff. And, there was some really awesome memorabilia out there. And um, I started to go really crazy, which is around the time that you, you met me. And um, again, I'm very happy with what I still have. And, you know, I've sold some things over the years. I've traded some things over the years. And now I have like almost whittled it down to like my, my stuff that if there was a fire, I would grab all of it and, and, and get it out of the house. But uh, you know, meeting fans and, and wrestlers and all that stuff has been part of the journey. You know, it's, it's, Absolutely. it's so awesome. And, uh, 
it's again, like I said, if you're a, if you're a fan of something, you know, be proud of it and, 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 and show it off and don't be ashamed of what you, what you like. That's uh that's crazy to me. Absolutely. So I feel for your mom having to take you down to Toys R Us there because you said that was like 96, 97 things don't change too much because I remember in probably 2015. So now you're around 30 years old and you're texting me about a Finn Balor elite that we were both on the hunt for that I happened to find. And it's just, things never change when it comes to collecting. No. And, and, you know, that's like, again, I, I, there's something different about wrestling fans in general. Um, you know, I can imagine if you and I were both looking for a PlayStation five or whatever, like you're not going to call me and say like, Hey man, I found this PlayStation five down here. Do you want it? Like I'll, I'll like, but wrestling fans, they'll do that. You know, they're they're They look out for each other. And, uh, yeah, I know that we've we've texted many a time to say like, "Hey, I'm in Walmart. Hey, I'm in Target. Like, are you looking for something?" And and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Trying to think what the most recent my um my wife who is incredible and is you know watching wrestling sometimes for the first time. Um, she's a big Bianca Belair fan, so um. We got her set up with the uh, the first Bianca action figure. Oh, nice! And, uh, I think for me, one of the it's either the the elite Bobby Heenan weasel suit or the newest uh, elite Ravishing Rick Rude. That is probably my newest um, figure purchase. But both of those are um, you know those are mainstays for me. Any anything that comes out of those guys, I'm I'm definitely picking up. So that's awesome. I actually just got in the mail the other day a stone cold uh steve austin uh bca bone crunching action that is that's so let me tell you that story too so toys r us is in the shopping center and right next to the toys r us is a marshall's okay and um back in the day i had no clue what a marshall's was i just knew that they had clothes and it was someplace yep. i didn't want to be because <laughs> my mom or my grandma or somebody was dragging me in there and I'll never forget, this was one of the craziest times. I had just went to Toys R Us and, um, you know, that the word was out. And so all those action figures were gone, whatever. However, this Marshalls had, it was the, it was the Stone Cold's first figure. It was, had that blue background. It had the Stone Cold figure and it had like the little WWF like action figure stand with it, I believe. Yep. That might and, be the one I got in the mail. It's behind me. I uh, yeah, trying to take a and look. So I went to this. I walked in this Marshalls. My mom was looking at clothes, and lo and behold, they had like a toy section, and they had like seven of these Stone Cold. And so I like bought two of them yep. at the time because I wanted to keep one in the package and I wanted oh, yeah. to open one. You gotta. And uh, oh yeah, and let them breathe. And I uh, I grabbed the Stone Cold, and you know you you mess with the leg or the arm or whatever yep. and it made this like horrible popping noise and uh yeah that was i i that was probably the weirdest place one of the weirdest places that i ever found like something i was looking for like that but yeah that was in a in a marshall's in uh 96 97 98 somewhere around there that's incredible you mentioned how like they you know the bca bone crunching action i'll tell a quick story probably around that same time i was at my buddy mike who was on the podcast last week i was at his house and you know we're kids seven eight years old playing with the figures he goes to get a snack or go to the bathroom or whatever 
And so I'm sitting there in his room, still playing with the toys. And I had Shawn Michaels. I go to throw a super kick with HBK and the leg falls off. <laughs> so I go, Oh shit. This is, this is not my toy. I'm six years old. I'm scared to death. Like, so what do I do? Naturally, I take the figure, the leg and all, and put it in his closet and leave his house and run over to mine. So, you know, a few days later, I guess, or a day later, I go hang out with him again. And he's like, did you break my toy? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Straight up lied to him. And so he pulls it out. He shows it to me. I'm like, yeah, I broke your toy, whatever. Sorry. His mom then takes us to KB Toys at the time to buy him a new figure. And I don't remember having any of these at the time. So we walk into KB Toys and I'm six years old, so I don't have any money. We walk into KB Toys and of course the whole set is there. So not only does he get Sean, but he gets gold dust. He gets another razor. He gets everything. And I'm sitting there. I get nothing. My mom's not there. So she's not buying me anything. I felt so small and I was so upset and it, it, it added insult to injury. I already felt bad that I broke the toy. Then I had to go and watch him get not just another HBK, but the entire set. It was it's a hell of a day. He should have at least gave you that HBK on that day. I mean, <laughs> like that's the least he could have done is just giving you that. Cause you, even though, you know, you, you broke the toy, like yep. you facilitated him getting that whole set. I mean, that's fair. It's fair. Absolutely. If it wasn't for me, then he, he wouldn't have gotten anything. Exactly. Oh man. So do you have like a uh, favorite piece of merchandise that you still have? I know at one point you were on a mission to get everyone to sign the wwe encyclopedia do you still have that absolutely yeah and there's probably i mean i want to say over 200 signatures in that wow. like um you know that was the thing that i took with me everywhere um i do have some you know some rarities some pieces i have um i have uh, i when you go to live events, sometimes they throw things on the crowd. Yep. Very rarely did anything ever come. I know some people have caught some things, but I was at a TNA house show in White Plains at the Westchester County Center, and Jeff Hardy threw uh, one of his like wife beaters into the crowd. I have that. I've got a few like ring worn pieces of uh, of merchandise. Um, like I said, I'm a big Ravishing Rick Rude collector. So with the exception of like the Chase. Um, the newest chase. I have yep. every, I have every recruit figure. Um, I've got a lot of like signed stuff, a lot of posters, a lot of um, banners and things. And I, you know, I really like the the autographs and I've got, you know, a, a large collection, but what's cool is like going back and then like, like I said, thinking of where was I when I got this signed and who was I with and like, what was the match or, you know, like, and that was part of it too, is just the accessibility. I would go to these Northeast wrestling shows and they would bring in like five headliners. Yep. And I thought at the time, like, I'm never going to see these people again. Like, so I have to bring everything I can. So the first Northeast show that I went to when I first got here was in Waterbury. And it was, um, the big names were Velvet Sky at the time. Um, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And it was, um, big daddy v and so you know i brought like four things for big daddy v i bought a i brought a two by four for uh hacksaw jim duggan i you know i just really i went hog wild so like the foam two by four or no, like an no, actual an actual piece of wood so I you it. went to home depot and i did bought i did a piece of wood for jim duggan i'm sure a lot of people do that but that is that is something my friend i was like really into at the time like thinking about 
okay, so if I ever met the Mountie, I would try to bring like a cattle prod. And if yep. I met Rick Martell, I would want like one of those foggers. So like, you know, but, um, you know, Hacksaw was obviously like a huge name growing up for me. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I definitely did that. And, um, so yeah, I, I've got a lot of stuff. My encyclopedia, I would say is probably the thing that is that and a poster that, you know, of too. that, um, when WWE magazine was rebranded or whatever, they did that one ep, um, one issue that was like the worst. It was basically like the heels, the worst heels of all, right. all time. And I had this poster and it's got, it's got Rowdy Piper, Edge, Iron Sheik, Shane, Vince, and I believe Mickey James on the okay. cover. And did I say Ric Flair? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Regardless. So I went around and obviously living in the Northeast, we knew that several of these people you'd be able to find pretty easy. Like back in the day, Piper went to a lot of the conventions. Yep. Um, Mickey James, same sort of thing. The people that were going to be hard were going to be like Iron Sheik, um, Flair at the time, Edge, and McMahon. the McMahons were like just never going to happen. But I brought this poster with me. I had it in my backpack. I had it everywhere that I went, like on the off chance that I got into a car accident and it was with Vince McMahon and I could be like, Hey, can you sign this or whatever? So, um, long, long, long story short, I got it dwindled down. I got everybody on there except for Vince and Shane and uh, a couple of years back. Well, God, that's been a long, a lot of years back, but Linda McMahon had like a, a rally for, she was running for office mm -hmm. and, um, it was the night that she was going to find out if she won or lost and she actually lost. And, um, the whole family was there, you know, triple H Vince, Stephanie, Linda and Shane. And it was at this like hotel. And, you know, after the thing was over, there was a room and I walked by and I saw that they were all in there. And I was like, this is my chance. So right before all that happened, I had Shane, I met him and he had signed the poster, but for some reason I chickened out bringing that poster in when I met Vince and okay. I was like, I, Cause I was afraid that maybe they would be like, Oh, this look at this Mark and like kick me out. And I yeah. just didn't want to deal with it or whatever. So I got a picture with him and I got a picture with Stephanie and all those people. And it was just, you know, unreal for me. And then it wasn't until years later that I, I met Vince again and I finally got that completed. So I got that framed. I went that day I left after I got it signed and I went straight to Michael's and had it framed. That's awesome. And it's, it's definitely one of my prized pieces, but um, the, you know, like I said, it's, sometimes it's the story itself as well that, you know, is, is, is just as important as the piece. So absolutely. Absolutely. So you're a podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know your show, uh, another wrestling podcast is on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but yes. how did you get into that? And just tell me about your experiences with podcasting in the wrestling world. Um, so podcasting was something that I never thought I would get into. Um, honestly, I hate the way my voice sounds on this podcast. So if you're listening to it and you agree, I apologize. I hate um, mine too. So I, I feel like everybody feels that way. Yeah. I mean, I listen to some of these people and I'm like, man, it's just like, it, it, if I had that voice, I would have been to the top, you know, like I would have, I would have had the best podcast ever. Conrad. But, yeah, exactly. You know, even even though he's got like a southern accent, like I, I can it, listen to it works to him. for him. Like it's it perfect. Does. Like absolutely. So, you know, as I as I mentioned, I met you and I met a lot of people through through wrestling fans and and being up in the Northeast. And I had met Steve uh, Credo, who um, is a friend, and and um, we got to talking one day, and 
I think we just kind of started to bat around the idea of doing this and, and seeing if we could, you know, just, it was going to just be talking like you and I are doing right now. And something happened to where right before, like the day we were going to record, there was a fan fest. Um, Joseph Bruin runs like the new England fan fest and um, he was running one. I had to work that day, but Steve went and I said, you know, Steve, just try to see if you can get any interviews with wrestlers. Right. And um, I believe on that day one, he interviewed maybe, I want to say it was like Hacksaw or somebody like that. So we just then decided from that moment on, we were going to have a wrestler interview on the show. And I, I don't want to say that this was like podcast infancy, because like, I think that that was like Colt Cabana as far as wrestling stuff right. goes. But it was sort of, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was sort of unheard of for two nobodies like us to have to get these people, you know, and and it started out innocent enough. We would get a few people here and there, but then you, as you do, you just start reaching out to people and um, you find out that maybe somebody has a book they're about to drop or right. they're going to be doing an appearance somewhere. And so they want to be getting, they want to get out whatever they're trying to do as much as you want to get them on the show. So we started to get some, you know, traction. Um, Steve worked for Fox mm-hmm. and um, I know that probably helped because when we would send down an email, you know, they would see his Fox email or whatever. Right. And, um, and honestly, we, we had a really good run for a while and um, did a couple hundred shows, I think. And for the most part, we had a guest on every show, some guests or some shows we had multiple guests and, um, you know, there's a lot of, a, a lot of podcasts out there. And that's why we went with another wrestling podcast, because honestly, at the time there were a thousand of them yeah. and um, still are. Yeah, there still are. And yep. like, you know, this one's just as important as the next one, you know, like um, I, I just, I, I wanted to give a voice to people who were just casual fan that could relate to what we were saying. We absolutely, we wanted to do topics like the Royal rumble or something. So like, because we wanted people to listen to it five years or whatever, and still, it still be relevant. So, you know, having conversations like this is, is what I think is important about them. And yeah, we're, you know, kind of on a hiatus right now. We, we um, did some shows in 2020 and with, with COVID and all those crazy things that are happening, we just kind of um, stopped for a while, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, I'm, I'm very thankful to, to be on here, like I said, and to be, be able to kind of just talk shop with, uh, with you. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's such a great thing. And I encourage anybody, there's so many, you know, anything you're into, like, listen, hop on, listen to, I listen to wrestling podcasts. I listen to like true crime podcasts. I listen to the scrubs podcast. I listen to office podcast, like, you know, there's no, uh, there's no shortage of podcasts, but um, I think it's important, especially if you've invested all this time, it's kind of something you can be like, Oh man, I didn't think of that before. Or, you know, you can start to kind of listen to other fans who feel the same way as you and maybe yep. you don't feel so alone or whatever, but I, I love podcasts. Yeah, they're great. Uh, it took me forever to start this one, but uh, this is only episode two, but man, I'm so grateful I did. I'm having like the time of my life doing this. And like you said, just talking to my friends about wrestling, something I'm passionate about. It doesn't get much better than that. Well, listen, I will tell you, it will get better than that. How you are at the bar is so low with this episode right now with me. Like the next one is going to look like I'm going to, I better get 
not only the check, but flowers and all kinds of stuff, because whoever your next guest <laughs> is, I just really set the bar so low for them. They can pretty much just burp in the microphone and, you know, it's going to be a great show. So I appreciate you saying that, but I highly doubt that. I think uh, this is going to be a pretty good episode. A lot of people uh, want to hear from you and hear what you got to say. And you've been behind the microphone and behind the camera for, like you said, over 100, 200 episodes. So it's nice to see you in front of the camera and actually finding out about you and what got you into wrestling. And what got you into wrestling? Um, we talked about your merchandise collection. We touched on that a little bit. We got a couple uh, listener questions here that I want to get okay. to. All right. Um, so the first one is about your wrestling connect collection. Okay. And right. it actually comes from my wife, Michelle. All right. She wants to know, what is the most unusual thing you have or had in your wrestling collection? Wow. Um, the most unusual thing. So I would say the most unusual thing was probably a giant lollipop signed by Randy Orton. And when I say giant lollipop, I don't mean like one that you get in a candy store. I mean, one that like, was the size of like i don't know how to even describe it like the size of like two basketballs like I that know. big oh, wow and um what had happened was it was actually a prop it was a real lollipop but it was a prop from a, a photo shoot that they did in in the wwe magazine and what had happened is i had weaseled my way into the wwe warehouse and that can be a that can be a story for another time or whatever wwe headquarters i'll say that wwe headquarters so i was there when the magazine department was still there and um i was one of the very few lucky ones that got in there and they just started to give me stuff they gave me some signed dvds a signed hat they gave me some t-shirts they gave me magazines and then they took me into a room and at the time you could like in the interview of the magazine, it would say like, Hey, do you want this signed thing? You can, um, you know, send us an email and we'll pick one lucky winner or whatever that, that type of thing. And so these are the things that I had to choose from. And so you'll see why I went with, well, maybe you'll see why I went with it, but um, there was a piece of a cinder block that um, was signed by Johnny Nitro. Okay. And, and that was from, I remember the magazine shoot was like, it was, they had a concrete block on his like abs and somebody had like hit it, with, okay, yep. you know, so that's why it was a piece. There was a interview they did with the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, and he was wearing a tie. And so they had that tie in there and it was signed by Dusty Rhodes. They had this lollipop that was signed by Orton. And I forget, there was probably a few other things, but though, so out of those, I chose the Randy Orton. So that was probably the most unusual thing I would say that was ever, that's ever been in my collection. Uh, you know, I've had, um, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, if, if something pops up, but that's probably the most unusual, I'd say. That's pretty unusual. Yeah. Without a doubt. And um, actually I'll, I'll say that the, I was trying to actually get that magazine article signed by Orton as well. And Orton was one of the people that I'd just never met. So I took a train ride from New York all the way to DC to do the car show when they used to do the the signing yep. and um, I met Orton and I had him sign the article and I told him the story about how I had it. And he said like, I hated doing that. 
that photo shoot because yeah. like he, there was a little kid involved and all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, I actually got to finally like finish that. I felt like it was complete after years and years of like chasing Orton down. That was, that's, that was the, finally the time I got to get, get that done. So that's awesome. Do you still have the lollipop? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this episode is going to drop on a uh, Friday, January 8th. Maybe if you can take a picture and put it up on uh, Twitter or Instagram or send it to me and I could, have the rights to that. Cause I think that'd be pretty, uh, pretty cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I'll see if I can find it. I mean, I, I know where it is, but I'll see if I can take a picture. It's a, uh, it's a doozy. Like That's I said, awesome. So. That's awesome. Our second uh, listener question actually comes from your wife, oh, wow. Mary. Uh, she wants to know what is your favorite wrestling moment that you saw live? Wow. I've seen some, some really amazing live. I've been very fortunate. You and I have traveled up and down the roads um, and we have watched a lot of wrestling together. Um, Absolutely. Ind- independently. And you know exactly where I'm going with this. Uh, it was a Northeast wrestling where we were in a, a small gym in Bethany, Connecticut, where we saw a match versus it, it was Mike Bennett versus Tommaso Ciampa. And it was a, uh, just like for the, it was like, it was only for us, you know, watching at, in that arena. And it was this amazing match where cupcakes were involved and all kinds of crazy stuff. And at one moment they opened up a bag of potato chips and threw it on the ground. And I think somebody got back body dropped on the potato chips and the crowd just instinctively started chanting, Holy chips, Holy chips. And it was incredible. It really, it was the best part. And partly because I was there with you, like yep. I said, it was, it was definitely such a great thing. And not too long after that, both Tommaso and Mike Bennett, like moved on to WWE or to Absolutely, bigger, yep. to bigger pastures. So that was awesome. Um, I've had the pleasure of being at a lot of pay-per-views. I've been at WrestleManias. I've been at Rumbles, Survivor Series, SummerSlams. I've been at Raw's, house shows. I was at the Raw where Edge retired in Bridgeport, which was a heart, heart-wrenching moment. Um, but you know, I would say that one of the most incredible moments live was at the Royal Rumble when Cena came back at Madison yes, Square Garden. Absolutely. That was, that was my first time at the Garden. That was my first pay-per-view in New York whenever I moved up here. And, um, you know, the, the everything that we all knew as fans and dirt sheet readers and all that, we everyone was surprised everyone anybody anybody who tells you that they weren't surprised is lying absolutely and anybody who told you that they knew was lying because i'm pretty confident that probably most of the wrestlers didn't know that cena was coming back oh my god that 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 was incredible and uh, yeah i remember i was there too and i remember thinking it was big show yeah Yeah, i was gonna come out and uh, they 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 just played it so perfect like the buzzer went off and they like there wasn't a long pause but there was a long enough pause that like you were like on the edge of your seat. And then when those opening chords of his theme hit, everyone went, yeah. And then when they realized what it was, they went, boo. Yep. It was incredible. I mean, I've never been. And, and since then, you know, I, we were, I was at WrestleMania 23. I was at WrestleMania 29. I was at, you know, like these big events and I've never seen a reaction quite like that and and partly it was the garden and partly it was because it was Cena and all that and it was just all the, it was a perfect storm but honestly it was just such a an amazing sort of um event and that was probably I would say one of the most incredible live experiences I've ever had that is awesome that that was 
unbelievable. Yeah, if I were you, I would have retired from going to shows. Madison Square Garden, the Royal Rumble, your first time in the garden, and that return, that pop, like, I would have retired right there. Yeah. I mean, and I have to thank you as well. Like, it's so funny. Um, my my wife now um, watches wrestling occasionally with me, but her first show that she ever got to go to was thanks to you. You gave us some uh, MSG tickets. Um, it was the after Christmas date. Yep. And uh, we went. And so her first wrestling show was at the garden, which is like, again, like, that's it's incredible. Just so crazy to me. But um, but you yeah, remember the was... main event for that show? Oh, it was crazy because they had NXT people there. That okay, night. yep. So there was some like it was like a four on four NXT like thing. I don't think it was the main event, but that was one of the main events. And like Balor was there and Cole was there. And it was just, you know, like the names that you're still yeah. hearing hearing about now. And this has got to be like three or four years ago. So it was it was an awesome show. Awesome. Awesome. We got one final listener question before we start talking about this week in wrestling. Yeah. Um, and this is actually a good segue. Uh, Jose Enoa from Facebook wants to know, is the fiend the most interesting character in the past 15 years that was ruined? There's a lot of characters in those past 15 years. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and I want to believe that positivity and all that stuff is the, the best way to look at this. So, it has he been ruined you know like my thought is i know i know right now that everybody wanted him to be this um this crazy heel and and you know to go around and and just kind of be un, unbeatable and all that but i really still think that the fiend or bray wyatt stock is pretty high and i think that the only thing that's gonna i, I think having him off tv for a while is really gonna help like it's sort of like um the the attention span of most wrestling fans and stuff nowadays are short and i'm not yeah. i'm not saying i'm not i don't mean any disrespect to anybody but back in the day when there was a feud it would be a year-long feud i mean like you just that was it like hogan and and Sheik or you know brett and yokozuna or yep. you know sean and brett or whatever but the wrestling fan the casual wrestling fan right now doesn't want to see a very long-term feud they get bored very right. quickly and that's, that is what it is, but having the fiend off of TV for a while, will give them a chance to kind of bring him back in different, you know, incarnations, um, not unlike the undertaker, not unlike, you know, Brock Lesnar, a lot yep. of people don't like Brock's schedule and, and that is what it is. But like, honestly, you can't deny that whenever Brock comes back or whenever the fiend decides to come back or when Balor decides to be the demon, like it's a special moment. So um, I think that I'm not saying that it's the best ex executed plan that they've had with the fiend, but honestly, I'm, I'm not going to throw the talent on him just yet. I think that there's still some meat on the bone for, for Finn or for the fiend rather. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of agree with you. Like I want, I want to have hope. I want to have hope that, you know, it's going to work out well for the character and he's not completely ruined, but man, his loss to Goldberg in minutes, if not seconds, last year was brutal. Yeah. And yeah. how can you go from I, I, he beat Balor, he beat Rollins, he beat Miz, like three, like pretty decently 
<laughs> I knew you were going to go there. That's, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to word that. But uh, three, in my opinion, future Hall of Famers, he pretty much destroyed them last fall. And then three months later, you lose to Goldberg in four minutes. That's tough to come back from. And, you know, I, I don't think he ever should have had the title. Um, yeah. He doesn't need the title. No. And if he had the title and if he was to lose the title, it should have been as the Funhouse character, not yeah. not the Fiend. So yeah. I, I'd like to have hope that things are going to go well for him. But there's something also kind of comical that he was set on fire. And then last week they set Alexa Bliss on fire. And then the headline of this week's Raw was Legends Night. And it took him about 45 minutes to even acknowledge that a man set a woman potentially on fire the week before. So that that doesn't, that doesn't bode well for my confidence in this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, but this gentleman or these, these, these fans, they sent in a question about him. We're talking about him. There's a lot of wrestlers out there that we're not talking about right now. So, you know, the fiend is probably doing well with merchandising sales and all that stuff. And if you believe in somebody, if you believe in that character, if you like Bray Wyatt, then go out there, buy that t-shirt, buy that action figure, because that's going to show people like, you know, whatever, like, you know, Vince is still in charge, whether you, me, or anybody else like it or, or not. And, right. um, you know, Goldberg's back and we're going to get into that, I'm sure in a second. And so um, showing people that you care about these characters um, and why I'm not so certain that we've, we've seen the last of the fiend or a strong fiend is that I definitely see WWE moving more towards some of these cinematic matches and who better to do those type of matches than than the fiend? Yeah, so I think that that's a good point. I think that he you gotta you gotta be in the long haul for him. I think he's I think he's gonna be around for a while. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, that's a good point there with the cinematic matches. Um, so yeah, thank you to Michelle, Mary, and Jose for sending in your questions. If you want to ask a question on next week's episode, you can uh, follow uh, TL Chairs Pod on Twitter. And uh, drop your questions there, and I'll read them on air with my guest next week. Uh, Moving on, you did mention Goldberg, and this was a huge week in wrestling. There are two huge stories that we could start with, but since you mentioned Goldberg, uh, we'll start there. I will say I was shocked at the end of Monday's Raw when he came out. Um, Not in the good way, because I don't want to see him, but I didn't expect him to come out there. I thought McIntyre and Lee were just going to have their match and whoever wins wins. And then, you know, that would be it. I thought maybe something with Sheamus was going to happen there at the end, but uh, I guess, so you could say they surprised me with the Goldberg thing happening, but man, I am not looking forward to this match. I hope to God that he does not win. I, I don't think he will. I don't think he'll win because I'd like to think that they learned from what happened with the fiend. And I I just don't think he's going to be the champion and it'll be a nice win for Drew McIntyre, but it's Goldberg. And if you ask me, is he going to beat the fiend last year? I would have said no. And Mm -hmm. he did. So that kind of makes me nervous. What do you think? So, you know, I get Legends Night. I understand it. It was a little, a little sad for me. I'll say, like, just because 
I, I hold most of those people in such high regard. Like they're people that I watched growing up and, 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 you know, I, they're starting to sprinkle new people in with the legends. So like, you know, big show and Mark Henry and Molly Holly and people like that, but you know, Hogan and, and Jimmy Hart and, you know, IRS and all them, like, well, I respect them. I really do. Um, but like, I don't, I feel like there's a time to just kind of let them just right. Like the use of flair, like I, that's a whole nother story as well, but like with Goldberg coming in, I guess part of it is that Goldberg is still believable. Right. So you see him, right. even though you, even though you don't want to see him or whatever, like he's still, he's still got, something left in him um and and he's got like kind of he's one of those people that the legend of goldberg is probably better than goldberg himself so like to have him come in i hope you're right i hope that drew defeats him because if not then it really it just like with the fiend it doesn't a goldberg win in 2021 doesn't really do anything for the character of either people you know like goldberg's got nothing left to prove so why why give him a win you know so drew to show him you know they talked about respect and all that so there is a stake there albeit a very small one but the stake is that if drew beats goldberg then he will gain the respect of the legends and um so i hope he wins it's at royal rumble we've seen title changes there before but um i don't I hope that that, that doesn't ha- that doesn't happen because a Goldberg win means that he goes into mania as the champion basically. And who is the, you know, who are they going to put with, I mean, unless they do like a rematch with drew, but do you think that that's going to draw for the WrestleMania main event, drew McIntyre versus Goldberg at mania? I, I mean, I just, I don't see that no. as the headline. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, up until Monday, I was worried, and I still kind of am worried that we might get Goldberg Roman at mm-hmm. WrestleMania. I don't want to see that. I, I like you said, Goldberg. He looks intimidating, I guess, but I, I just don't want to see it, man. Like it's just it, it, it's time to move on. <laughs> like he hasn't his best match recently was against Brock at Mania or at Survivor Series that lasted like three seconds because it was a shock. And then mm-hmm. his other good match was against Ziggler at SummerSlam a couple of years ago, again, because it was quick. But when yeah. you put him in the ring against somebody and you expect it to go for 10 minutes, it doesn't work out. And I don't want to see a WrestleMania match between him and Roman Reigns that last 10 minutes. And I don't want to see it even last three seconds. I just don't want to see him on the card anymore. Yeah, I mean, the best thing they can do is make Drew in that Goldberg spot. So they let Drew come in and Claymore Goldberg and one, two, three. And like, yeah. And then that that seals the deal. Drew is the guy. And yep. Goldberg was, you know, like he can ride off into the sunset. And, you know, it's not, I hate to say it, it's not Goldberg's fault. Like, it's not. He's, he's sitting at home. Someone calls and says, hey, we're going to back up a, truck full of cash to your doorstep anybody who's listening right now is going to say okay yeah i'll be there with my black tights and i'll hit my head on something and i'll see in the ring that was his fault though when he knocked himself out and then almost killed the undertaker in saudi arabia that was uh, that that was was brutal yes absolutely 
Yeah, you make a good point. I could see the match, and this is how I hope it goes. I hope the bell rings, he goes for the spear, and he runs right into the Claymore. One, two, three, it's over, and Drew retains the title. That's going to be the most painless way for this to go, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and let's just say that Miz has got the briefcase, so there could be some shenanigans with that, and, um, you know, whatever. I... That's the thing with, with wrestling, the athleticism is always there. You want that. You want to see that you, we tune in because it's, it's things that you don't see every day. You know, you're not going around lifting people up and slamming them and all that, but there's gotta be some story there too. And and something that I can invest in. And um, you know, I, I talked to you briefly before we went on about some of the shows this week and um you know, it's, it's interesting to see what's happening and, and where I find myself investing and who I find myself investing in. I like Drew. I really do. I like him a lot. Um, I, d- I don't feel invested in this mat. Like I, it doesn't right. matter to me. And, and the belt doesn't even feel like something that is important right now. Right. It just doesn't like the, the championship just doesn't feel like something like before where, you know, that person who had the belt and, and I'll say that pretty much across the board in, between raw and SmackDown. Like, I just don't feel like the belts mean anything. Um, yeah. And that's, that's unfortunate because that's one of the, the, the goals of the wrestler is to get a, a championship. So absolutely. Um, absolutely. It, it is unfortunate because, you know, I feel like they rely too much on the older stars. You're, we talk about bringing in Goldberg and the ratings were down for the better part of the last half of 2020, if not all of 2020. And what's, what's their solution? Legends night, bringing all these guys and no disrespect to anybody, but with the exception of flair and Hogan, I, I, I just, you didn't do anything with anybody. They, they were in backstage segments with current stars and they looked better than the current star. So how is that helping the company yeah. in 2021? Um, and another thing about Legends Night, before we move on, I get that they didn't want to come to Florida to you know, perform in front of video screens, but it's Legends Night. You couldn't get a video from Batista, from Stone Cold, from The Rock, from Cena to play? Like, yeah, like I said, I get it. They don't want to travel there or whatever the thing is. They're busy. I get it. But you couldn't have – The Rock records – 10 minute videos on Instagram multiple times a day, every day. You yeah. couldn't, you couldn't get him to send in a 30 second clip saying, if you smell what the rock is cooking, raise his eyebrow. All they would have, all they would have had done is buy one bottle of Terramaya <laughs> or whatever it is, tequila, yes, and, tequila. And tweet him. And then bam, he would have been, he would have made you a video. He, he would have, he probably would have gotten his pickup truck drove to Tropicana field and walked yep. out there and laid the smack down if they bought a bottle of absolutely. Mr. But yeah, I mean, we're joking, but it's like you couldn't get any of these guys like real like top tier legends. Like again, no disrespect to anybody, but what are they doing? Yeah. And and that's the thing is um, you know, I think that so one of the things that you you think about is if you buy like if you buy a car and it's worth a certain amount and you sell it, you're only going to get that amount, right? You're going to like, if it's a $10,000 car, you sell it, you get $10,000 one time. And then you yep. blow through that $10,000 and you're, you're done. But if you invest in like a car company, like a stock, 
then that continues to pay dividends. And that's what this Legends Night was. This was a one-time deal. They were trying to give the the people who they think that they lost, the casual viewer, they were trying to get them back with it and entice them with these legends and give them this one-time shot in the arm. But next week, those people aren't going to be there. So the reason that it's always surprising to me is they need to cater to the the Bryans. They need to, they need to cater to the Jonathans. They need to cater to these fans who for 34 years, for, you know, 30 years, whatever, yep. like those are the people. And that's why Ziggler went over so well is because those are the people that wanted them. And I understand that there's a certain look or there's a certain feel or whatever, but honestly, when you look at like NXT and what, what Triple H has been doing there, you know, there's a lot more people who talk about NXT than, than Raw or SmackDown. And that's not, again, I respect the wrestlers. It's not the wrestler's fault. Um, I don't really know who to pin the blame on except for, you know, a legends night isn't going to do it for me. You know, you've got to give me a good from build from, you know, from, January to, to December. Like I want one solid year where I feel like there's a plan and right now, and I know COVID like that obviously threw so many things in the, the works, but like, honestly, you know, like even that build for WrestleMania last year, we had like the edge and the Orton thing that felt like something, you know, that was awesome. That felt. And so like, I, I think that that can be done again. I just don't know why it's not being done really. Right. Speaking of great and how great things can be, we can't bash the WWE too much because the booking of Roman Reigns since SummerSlam has been incredible. Um, Did you get a chance to see SmackDown last week? I did. Yeah, absolutely. It's just unreal how you had this guy for six, seven, eight years do the same thing over and over and over and the crowd rejected him every time every title win he got booed every time he made a event at wrestlemania he got booed now he's universally loved he's doing the best work of his career and his feud with kevin owens that's going on right now is really really good it's it's a shame that there's not an actual crowd there to soak this in and be there for it but uh the end of smackdown last week they brawled through the thunderdome and you know uh, reigns through Owens from essentially the stands down through a table. And just each, each week, every Friday, it just gets better and better with them. Uh, I, I don't know this for sure, but it's looking like they're heading to the Royal rumble to have another match. Uh, Roman will probably win of course, but like, this is one of those things where like, you know, who's going to win, but I really don't care because the story has been so good. And what, and, and what's changed like what's what's the the x factor that roman has it's it's Heyman, but it's also a good story yes like having him say like listen i'm i'm the guy like i'm like you can boo me you can love me you can do whatever like it takes away before i felt like when they were kind of pushing roman and trying to make him the guy people rejected it because they didn't believe it but right. now he's saying like, you don't have a choice. Like you have to believe it. I'm yep. the guy. And, you know, it's brilliant to put Heyman with him. Like Roman, hopefully he picks up things. And I've seen some mannerisms and things that he does now. Like he's very soft-spoken. He's not like, you know, 
mugging for the camera. He's like, and, and it also it's, it's elevating everybody who's a part of this, which is really what the goal is, I think for, or what it should be for all of this. So Roman's getting the rub. Heyman's getting the rub. Uso's getting the rub. Yep. Kevin's getting the rub. All these people are now higher than they were. Their stocks higher than it was when they started. And that's the goal for everything. Like Roman should, Roman should be able to go, you know, go against Sami Zayn or anybody, you know, Cedric Alexander, whoever you want to put him with, he should be able to then elevate. And that's what we grew up with, you know, like stone cold, Stone Cold could have fought a jobber and you would, you would have made fun of that guy and whatever. But at the end of the night, that guy who was here would have been up a little bit because if he got a punch in on Stone Cold, then you're like, wow, this guy is better than I thought he was. Exactly. I mean that like, to me, that's what, what wrestling still needs is that diverse list of characters that can come in and, you know, they all help each other out and, and doing nonsensical things like adding people to storylines or whatever. Like you don't want to do that until like you need to, like, there's no reason to like to do that. Like, definitely. Just, so, yeah, it, it, it really is. And if, if you listen to this podcast, you know, long enough, you're going to find out that SmackDown is my favorite WWE show and it has been pretty much since the initial draft in 2016. I don't know what it is, but SmackDown just, I, I enjoy it. It's probably because it's two hours and it's just, it's rapid fire, basically. It's segment, segment, segment. Stuff happens almost in every segment that's worth it. And uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but did you see the Otis, Daniel Bryan, and Chad Gable segment uh, last yes. week? Yes, and I've seen many <laughs> tweets and memes uh, as well. Daniel Bryan is a gift to the world. He is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it just was, it was entertaining and it was funny and it was just so goofy, but it, it worked for some reason. Like the man's trying to win the Royal Rumble. So what a better way to learn how to do that than to take the biggest guy in the locker room and try to work the hips and throw him over. Yep. Yep. Yeah, It was incredible. And you know, you mentioned like SmackDown and I don't really know how the hierarchy of the WWE works right now. Obviously Vince is in charge, but then I believe like Bruce Pritchard is probably in charge for the most part of, of raw, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I believe Heyman is a big part of the creative on SmackDown. And I think that, you know, right there, you see the difference, you know, and you can tell a little bit, even if it's, even if Heyman's still kind of under thumb or whatever, I think that Heyman is somebody who kind of goes against the grain a little bit. Yep. And that's what gives us kind of some of that. And that's the same reason that he had so many people in ECW, you know, like that was, you know, they, they were not joking. They were doing shows out of bingo halls and stuff, but Heyman has a way of making things interesting. And I think, using and some people would disagree and that's fine um but using the talent that he has to the best of their ability yep absolutely uh before we move on to aew because in my opinion that is the biggest wrestling story uh of the week but before we get there we were talking about smackdown i just want to mention carmella is really really good i never saw that coming back in you know 
2016. I would have never guessed that she would have been the breakout star out of her Enzo and Cass. But man, like her stuff that she's been doing for the last month or so against Sasha is really, really good in the ring. She's, I don't know if she's improved or she's just getting to do actually more wrestling, but she is really good. And I kind of want to see her win the title from Sasha as soon as possible. Well, um, I know we're getting ready to talk about AEW, but um, we can pretty much guarantee that she might win the title. Um, and Sasha is probably going to be going through about a hundred tables for the next like <laughs> foreseeable future because yes. Snoop, Snoop was on AEW. Yes. But no, I, I completely agree with you. Carmella is somebody who, again, she came in, um, she had a decent spot. She was with Enzo and Cass. And at the time that was like a huge thing. And, um, she got saddled with, unfortunately, like, look, she was with James Ellsworth, like that whole thing. Like a lot of people would probably have not been able to bounce back from that because of, you know, just whatever that was. Um, but yeah, she's doing great work and I I believe her, I believe her character. Yep. And that, that's what it's all about. Everything to me. Yeah. I think that, you know, she's, she, you could see her being that in real life. And again, if you've learned one thing about professional wrestling and stone cold saying that like your character needs to be, you turned up to 11 and right. That's what Carmella I think is doing. I don't think she's a bad person or anything like that in real life. I'm just saying that, you know, she's playing this person and it's turned up to 11. And yep. I think that that's why she's succeeding right now. And I believe that she, I I think that there are big things in the future for her, obviously. Yeah, I I definitely could see that. And I really hope so, because she's really good. Um, But speaking of good, I don't even want to say speaking of good. Speaking of great, that ending to AEW Dynamite last night was unreal. Um, I, full disclosure, I never really was a Bullet Club fan. Um, I never really was a big Young Bucks fan up until AEW came to fruition. But man, I've always liked the Good Brothers. And to see them on Dynamite last night, it was just, it was great. It was, it was expected because they're working with Kenny and everything like that. But man, to see Kenny Omega, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Matt and Nick Jackson all together in the ring and throw up that too sweet. I, I, it made my heart happy. And uh, for a world where, you know, a lot of times, especially in COVID wrestling gets bashed for what they're doing or just the storylines or this or that. It was really good to see that happen on dynamite. And it really has me excited about the future of AEW and even impact. Like I, I never watched impact. Never. I I can't even tell you. I don't think I've ever watched an entire episode of Impact from start to finish. Mm-hmm. This stuff with Kenny Omega has me excited for Impact. And that's saying something. Yeah. And honestly, um, I was, you know, I watch and I kind of take mental notes or in some cases actual notes and just like write stuff down. And, you know, again, my opinion is no more important than anybody else's, but I'm somebody who I feel like I've I put in the time, the effort, like I can comment about these things that I can say things. And the thing that I kept saying to myself when I watched the AEW and um, more specifically the closing, I must see. 
And it's, it is, I feel like that there's so many things that can come from that. And like, if you're, if you just put that picture of them at the end, all doing the two sweet. Okay. And you make one of those graphs that you do in school with the bubbles, and then you do the lines out from the bubbles, yep. right? You, from that one picture, you can do so many things. So, okay. They're the bullet club or are they the bullet club? And then you can say, is this going to last? Who's going to turn on them? The young bucks were a little reluctant to do the two sweet. Right. So just from that one thing, like that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's amazing. Like that you're not getting that in other forms of wrestling. And again, AEW's new AEW, relatively speaking. Right. Um, they've got lots of room to grow. They can go up, they can go down. Maybe next week won't be as impressive, but they're definitely on a, a streak. Um, I appreciate the, the tribute show to Brody Lee um, all of that stuff. I see all that stuff. And I think this is, this is good. This is, and if you're a wrestling fan, you should want every show to be good and not like root against all of them. And I know a lot of people say that nowadays, but like, honestly, like I said, AEW's got a lot of good things going for him right now. And that, that lasting picture, that last thing that I saw, and even like the Moxley Omega feud, like that's good. That's got mm-hmm. me, yep. that's got me thinking of things, but you know, just look at that picture and think they, they can, they can really have five years worth of story from that one picture right there. You know, you can say, all right, well, what if the young bucks are the tag team champions in AEW and Gallows and Anderson are the, you know, they're the impact champions. Like, is there going to be interpromotional? Does this mean this? Does that mean that? I mean, and that's really what you want. You want to, I think you always want to have more questions than answers because yes. then you're going to tune in to find those answers. And I think that that's what AEW is doing. Yep, absolutely. And last night, uh, AEW ended right around 10 o'clock on the dot Eastern and NXT has a little bit of an overrun. And I was freaking out because the NXT main event was Finn Balor versus uh, Kyle O'Reilly for the title. And when I saw what happened on the end of AEW, I thought, oh my God. Could you imagine Finn retains and he looks right at the hard camera and he throws up the two sweet two. I, I know nothing probably would have come from that because I don't think WWE and AEW would work together at this current time, but just to get the world talking, like, yeah, again, like I don't think Finn's going to AEW anytime soon, if he, if ever, but man, just to have that happen on both those nights, knowing their history, it just would have been, a hell of a visual well and now i mean it does if if wwe wants to acknowledge what's going on you know finn finn and the you know undisputed era could join together and be like listen like there's a club on another show but like this is the real deal like whatever and and that's why like i don't know why we should be like hiding from that like all these wrestlers they all talk we all saw like the outpouring of love for Brody lee we all know that they all talk to each other that they're all friends like they're i would if i was a wrestling company if i was AEW, i would be throwing out like things like that all the time and just just because why not and it's it goes back to like what bischoff did whenever yep. the monday night wars were going on but like fans like like I said, they're gonna want to watch Raw. They're gonna want to watch SmackDown. They're gonna watch NXT. They want to watch AEW. They want to watch Ring of Honor. They want to watch New Japan. They want to watch all these things and and give them a reason to like and and throw out some little like inside baseball every now and then and yes. be like, this is this is 
what's happening on that channel. Like, I, I mean, I think that that would be awesome. I don't think anybody would complain about that. Dude, you're giving me goosebumps here because I didn't even think that Adam Cole was in the ring with him last night, like checking on O'Reilly. And man, if Undisputed Era got up, and they did the two suite with Finn and you had those two images on those two channels pretty much at the same time, or just a few minutes apart, man, that just would have been, man, what a missed opportunity. I'm I'm so disappointed now. Yeah. I mean, and like, it just goes to show you too, you start to think about these companies and you have to realize like back in the day when there are territories, there were so many people and you wouldn't get to see, like Andre and on every show, he wouldn't be on every show. And like, he would come into a territory and maybe you'd see him once in a while or whatever, but like, like the oversaturation we saw both gals and Anderson WWE, and it was supposed to be this thing and they were with AJ styles and it was all great, but you know, they looked so much more fresh on, uh, you know, on AEW. they looked like really good. They looked like they were there for a purpose like, we saw him in the boneyard match and, you know, it yep. just didn't really pan out for him. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just like what happened to Harper, you know, like Harper was in AEW and he was doing great and he was doing it on his own. And, um, you know, any of these people who leave WWE and try to make something different out of, you know, whatever, like good for them. And I'm excited for a lot of these people. And, you know, I hope that the door is always open for another company, like, because I do want to see, like imagine the bucks in WWE, maybe they still stay in AEW, but like, like there's, there's so life is like, we've talked about this too. Life's too short. And if there's a way, because I'll tell you right now, a way to, for WWE to make money and get ratings and all that is to really do like cross promotion. Like they should be trying to gobble up, you know, new Japan or somewhere else to really get some, something fresh. And, um, you know, post COVID, wrestling is going to be much different, I think. And I think that, you know, there's even rumors that house shows may not be a thing anymore because it's just not like, so they've got to get a way to, to get these people into the, into these arenas and pack these arenas. And I'll tell you Goldberg and, uh, and, and two AEW's detriment. And I'm not, again, no disrespect sting, you know, I'm, I'm fine with them having them as some sort of like, backstage role or uh, GM type or whatever. But, um, you know, there's too many stars now and we all know it to just be like, now we're going to have these guys in there. And if Sting wants to ride off into the sunset and do one more match or whatever, that's fine. Um, And I don't know exactly what they're doing with him and Darby, um, but I just, there's so much good talent and I want to see that more than anything. And I want to see like that, Finn Kyle O'Reilly match was incredible. It was absolutely, it was, it was, it was physical. It was everything that we, that we want. And I'm so happy that they got that chance. You know, they didn't do commercials. They just let, you know, let it go. And um, that's the talent that I want to see. I want to see those matches. And I think that the more people demand that, I hope that that's what we'll get. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was just uh, last night was a great night of wrestling on both shows. And, you know, we could talk about how great they were all day. I want to move on here. I got a little bit of rapid fire questions for you. Let's let's do it. All right. True. 
<laughs> that's not an answer, but okay, all right. um, we're going to go for it here. So uh, maybe 10 questions here. So just uh, first thing that comes to your mind when I ask the question and uh, we'll go from there. All right. The first question is going to be favorite wrestler as a kid. Ravishing Rick Rude. Favorite wrestler now. Randy Orton. Favorite pay-per-view. Royal Rumble. Stone Cold or The Rock? Stone Cold. Favorite year in wrestling? 2001. Your 2021 Royal Rumble Royal Rumble winner prediction for the men's. I'm going to say Daniel Bryan. For the women. I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say Charlotte. Okay. Last one. Favorite farm animal. Wow. Goat. Because we share something. We are the greatest of all time. I like that. I like that. Good stuff, man. Um, finally, we're going to do a segment here that I want to do. I'm going to start doing with all uh, my guests. It's going to be a top 10 list. For each one of my guests, I'm going to have a unique top 10 list designed for them and for you since you have done wrestling podcasting and you have interviewed people before i want to do the top 10 list for wrestlers you've interviewed wow um that i mean honestly there was some really good stuff in there there's got there's going to be some honorable mentions just because like 10 is it's difficult because we said you know i did around 200 with with steve and 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 everybody so um I'll say that Jason sensation was really, really fun. He came on a couple of times and uh, honestly, he was just what I had hoped he was doing impersonations of everybody. And so he's definitely honorable mention. He's right at top 10. And um, I have to give a shout out to Lanny Poffo as well. He kind of put us on the map for a while. We, um, we kind of got an exclusive with him whenever macho man went into the hall of fame. So that you know i probably wouldn't be talking i wouldn't probably have a top 10 list if it wasn't for for lanny at that right. moment um there was a lot of good people and i did some interviews that never saw the light of day because maybe they went to wwe or they were at a in a moment where it couldn't be published so um i got to talk to a lot of people and it's been amazing but i'll say that number 10 i interviewed um Robert Rude, Bobby Rude at the time he was going to, he was in global force wrestling and um, we actually got to do like sort of an exclusive with them. They came to Poughkeepsie and we got to do a in ring thing. And it was like, just saying it out loud still seems like unreal. That's awesome. Um, so Bobby Rude was one of the, a good one. And number nine, we lost him last year, but Zeus, okay. Zeus, we got to interview and it was it was so crazy. Apparently John Cena did an interview with somebody and talked about no holds barred because I think WWE was re-releasing it on DVD or something. And he said something and I don't think it was meant like, I think that Zeus found out about it through the grapevine or through the internet or whatever. And we called him and I honestly was frightened. Like I thought somehow he was going to jump through the phone. Like he was (laughs) super he felt disrespected that like John Cena would say something. And I think it was all real. I really do. I think that if at this time he felt that way and then we got a chance to interview him again at like one of the new England fan fests a couple of years back. And um, 
you know, he was like, I wish nothing but the best for John, but he just needs to keep my name out of his mouth. And it was just this really cool thing. It was, uh, yeah, it was really crazy, but scary. So that's number nine. Number eight, Jim Cornette. Honestly, just for the stories that he told. Oh my God. It was so crazy. He, you know, like him or not, agree with him or not, he has spent his whole life, he has dedicated his whole life to professional wrestling. He was a nobody and then he got into wrestling like by taking pictures and it, he worked his way in and like we we're talking about him today. So um, he's he was a great interview. We got to do something with him at the Laugh It Up Comedy Club as well. I actually have like his set list from that night and it was awesome. It's awesome. I found it the other day. So that was a, a cool so thing. Before you continue, I have a question yeah. for you about Jim Cornette. Did you ever... Have you ever heard the uh, podcast yeah. that uh, Bruce Pritchard did on Jim Cornette with something to wrestle? I, I've probably heard bits of it. Like I've, so yeah, do you know the, again, the rat story? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. he, he, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to dig out that, um, that thing and I'll send you a picture of it too, to see if I can, if it, if he told the story on there or not, but, um, he was he was great he was very entertaining and uh you know he knows what he's talking about he's awesome. a fan he's yep. he's one of us so that's always awesome um number seven you were at this was one we talked about this earlier i got butterflies we were um we were at northeast wrestling and um we got to talk to mike bennett and maria and we were in yep. a in this small a classroom right yeah we were in like a classroom and and I went up and I interviewed him and I, I saw the passion from Mike Bennett. You know, we didn't, we didn't interview Maria at that moment, but um, I saw the passion for Mike Bennett and talked about how like at night he's watching the network, like, yeah. and that struck a chord with me, you know, he was going back and watching and he was, he's a student of the game. We hear that a lot, but like, yeah, honestly, that's what he was doing. And so he was such a fun and such a nice guy down to earth, a good, just a good guy. And, um, you know, I wish nothing but the best for him and ring. It's of a Honor shame it didn't work out in WWE with him. Like again, I actually I, go ahead. I just think, again, I think it's falls victim to Vince wants all these people. He wants all these toys. You yeah. know, he wants, he wants the Mike Bennett's. He wants the fins. He wants this, he wants that. He has them all, but he's like a kid. He doesn't know what to do with them. He's so got no got plan. All, yeah we've got all these you know you and i we at the height of our collection we had all these wrestling figures and only so many of them are gonna fit in the ring yeah so that's what happens and i think that's what happened with mike bennett you know because honestly the guy i think he had a huge upside i think that him and maria together was you know something that they could have done and uh you know i i i think that he yeah we could go on and on and on but i honestly think that that they they missed the missed the mike bennett there honestly um uh in 2020 i interviewed david arquette which was again just like what what just happened yep um i grew up watching scream and and obviously his blockbuster movie um ready to rumble and um you know met the guy and anybody who's ever given him crap about being the wcw champion can just walk off take a long walk off a short pier because he was the most down-to-earth and respectful and loves the business like we should only hope that anybody else who ever has done anything with wwe wrestler or celebrity has that has that level of of love for professional wrestling it was just amazing to talk to him so he was huge um number five i'd say like maria 
and Mickey James. Again, um, both of them went out of their way to talk to us and um, super sweet and love the business and both highly underrated, if you ask me, um, in, in WWE or anywhere that they've been. I think that both of them, both of those women um, were a large part of the women's revolution before or evolution before it actually was a thing. Right. Mickey James to me is like, she's definitely on the Mount Rushmore for me yeah. of women's wrestling. Like just like start to etch her in there right now. So to talk to her was awesome. So um, number four was edge. I got to interview edge. That was, um, he was going to be on um, Vikings um, or Haven. I think Haven, the show on sci-fi. And so I got to interview him and, you know, Edge was everything I wanted him to be. He, you know, he was Edge, and that's awesome. So, um, number three, AJ Styles. I was in Southern oh, – I was in Indianapolis, Indiana. I was home, and um, the stars aligned. Like, hey, you got to talk to – you get to interview AJ Styles today. He's got something coming up. So, I go to interview him, and I get my setup ready. And if any of you are podcasters that are listening to this, you know, you try to prep, you update your computer, you make sure everything's aligned and you start snapping your fingers. Can you hear blah, blah, blah. Called AJ Styles and I, my computer was like, you need to restart. And oh, you know, this is AJ no. Styles. And I'm like, oh my God, I just blew it. This biggest interview, no one's gonna ever want it. So uh, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, and, and he was like, totally, yes, I understand, whatever. And I got to talk to him about video games and all that stuff. So it was super awesome. He was super nice guy, super chill and um, made me feel good about like being a total screw up at that moment. So he's number, number three, number two, believe it or not. I told the story to my wife the other day, but Paul London. Okay. Um, he was doing a, a show for FWE at the time. It was a, a, a business that was out of the city and um, you know, I had done this sort of thing where, you know, we as podcasters or interviewers or whatever, we prep and we've got all these questions, but because there's so much content out there, you find yourself asking these people the same questions over and over and over. Yes. How did you get into wrestling? Who's your favorite wrestler? Like yep. these things that they all the questions asked, I asked like, you. <laughs> no, but like, listen, I've never, no one's ever asked me those things before. You know True. what I mean? So that's fine. The next person who interviews me, I'm like, come on. Like I've already yeah. been asked that. So but Paul London, like actually talked to him and it just kind of went off the rails, but in the best way possible. Like we, we talked about all kinds of things. I asked him all kinds of questions. And at, afterward, I, I thought it was just the coolest thing. He actually called the person in charge and said, like, it was such a great interview because it was the way it was. Right. And um, I was just so like, you know, the, they, he didn't have to do that. Like, that yeah. was awesome. So Absolutely. again, that story is better than probably the interview and maybe the interview was garbage, but at least at the time I felt like it was something special. And then number one, just because of like what it was, was for our 100th show, I got to interview alongside with uh, Steve um, Finn Balor. So, you know, these uh, WWE calls, whenever you get on their radar, they're very quick and they're very like, okay, you they're not going to like get here's finn's number like no that's right. not happening so you call into this thing and then they're like okay finn we've got jonathan and steve from this podcast you know and so we got to talk to him and wwe was much more of a sterile environment so we talked to him like he was like finn balor like not right. fergal like you know we we talked to him and he was in character but like at that point like for me 
I felt like, yeah, like we did something like we, we were, we were there, we were whatever for how short a time it was or whatever, but we got to interview someone who was big. He was the NXT champion at the time. And like, that was, you know, that's something. And, and this conversation that we're having and the conversations that I had, like those are going to live on. Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't scrub something off the internet, no matter how hard you try. Right. And um, so like, I feel blessed to have been able to maybe make some sort of small mark in, uh, in the world of professional wrestling. And, um, and, you know, I'm not, you refereed, like you freaking did it, man. You were, you were there. And uh, I hope you tell some of those stories sometime because it's, it's so awesome. And uh, I was proud of you for that. And I'm proud of you for this, but, but yeah, I think that that's all we can ask is that if anything that we've done carries on for a little bit longer after us or, or whatever, or if somebody like listens to one of our interviews, yours or mine or whatever, and they, they like quote something from it or they yep. learn something from it, then like, you know, that's, that's the only thing you can ask for. So, um, but yeah, those are probably top 10. I'm sure as soon as we get off here, I'm going to look back and, and think, oh man, what about this person or this person? I did a fun, like a, a fun in-person interview with uh, Kaz and, or Cass and, and Enzo and it went off the rails too, but um, that's probably another, you know, um, you know, runner up, I'll say. That's awesome. And really great in, uh, list. I, I enjoyed that. And I'm going to go back and watch some of those on YouTube. Check them out. Awesome. Well, um, I, I know, I know that you're, you're a busy man and that, um, but I need to know, I've, I've looked at some of this, but I know you've got social media, but yep. like, where, where do I, I, I'm, I'm following you on, on Instagram. I'm, or I, I believe you've got Instagram, right? Is that one? So I'm... the podcast doesn't have an Instagram yet. I'm on uh, Twitter. Okay. Um, That's where I got you. Yeah. At TL chairs pod. Um, but I'm interviewing you, so nobody wants to hear where you can find me. I'll get to that at the end. I'll get to okay. that at the end. All right. I just I want it to be known because when I tell all of my friends and family that I've made it to the big time, I want them to know where to find it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But what I want to tell you here before we wrap up, I'm going to let you plug your stuff and all that here in a minute. One, your top 10 list was awesome. I want to tell you I've only interviewed two people in my life. And you're on my top two list. Um, I'm not going to say if you're one or two, but you're on the list for sure. Understandable. Thank you. So, yeah, no problem. No problem. Um, and finally, you got to give me that picture of that lollipop, man. We The world needs to see this. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go through some stuff tonight. Um, it's I know that the lollipop's buried, but I'm pretty sure I have a... Um, I'm pretty sure I have a picture on my social media of it okay. so i'll try to send that over there sounds and, good um, yeah yeah sounds I good think. man um speaking of your social media do you want to plug any of your stuff listen i'm like i said i'm out of the game you can go back and you can look at a wrestling pod um that's on twitter and and if you type in another wrestling podcast you can probably find some of the stuff that i did um you know i'm my name's john benjamin i'm not that hard to find i'm I have lots of animal pictures. Uh, I've got a couple cats and, uh, I feel like, you know, earlier I was talking about Goldberg riding off into the sunset and stuff. And, and, you know, I've still got an opinion and I've got stuff to say. Um, but you know, that stuff may, my, my, my years may be beyond me, but you know, like I said, you go 
search any of that and uh and you'll see some of the crazy shenanigans that i got into and you know honestly brian we're both we're both married men now but um you know we we traveled the road we yes. we did the we did the thing you know and uh absolutely and i'm sure there's plenty of stories that we can talk about like our giant road trip where we went to pay-per-view to raw to yeah we went several states and yep. and it was it was a very fun fun time but uh you know you, yeah. you mentioned the stories but we sorry to cut you off but it reminded me on my notes here i had wanted to ask you something but we've been going almost two hours here so i don't want to take up much more of your time um but we have to do another podcast one day and you have to tell the story of me you and a shirtless ec3 eating chicken out of a Tupperware container at a indie show with maybe like 45 people there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's gotta be on the list. The um, Fandango heard round the world. That's gotta be on the list. I mean, yep. there's, there's plenty the, the night we were on the uh, Adam Rose express I mean, that, <laughs> that happened. Um, we weren't actually on it, but we, we, we found it. So, yep. um, but yeah, that's, uh, I've got, I've got so many good memories with you and, and, and wrestling. Absolutely, man. Well, I really, really, really appreciate you doing this. This was awesome. This was a lot of fun. We have to do it again. Uh, there's an open invite for you anytime you want to come on the pod. Uh, again, it, I'm not saying this lightly. Uh, it's such a such a fun thing to be on here with you, but also to be your like second show. It's like such an awesome thing, and and I'm just so proud of you. And I I look forward to listening to the first one. Again, it was great, and uh, and you've got nothing but uh, room to grow, and and I I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with this uh, with the show, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for coming on again. And I'll be talking to you soon. All right. Well, thank you, and uh, listen listen to the pod, man, and get out there. And I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. So it's TLC. Oh, I because your last name's Chairs. You just got that. I get, I just got it, man. Oh that's, my that's, god! Uh, that see tables, ladders, and and Brian chair. That's incredible. Yes. That's yeah. uh, man. Uh, you, whew, that's who, who would have thought? Well, that I mean that alone should get people to listen. That's it, man. There it is. Huge thank you again to Jonathan for that great conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, we could have talked for hours. We had actually only slated to talk for an hour, but we almost went two full hours. And man, we could talk all day. Uh, that guy has some amazing stories. And again, for sure, I'll be having him back on the podcast to tell more of them. Until then, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at TLChairsPod and at BrianChairs7. Also subscribe to my YouTube channel. That is also TL Chairs Pod. Uh, right now we just have episode one up and shortly episode two will be up there. Just audio though. I'm hoping to get some videos at some point in the future. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm. Pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Guys, another episode next Friday. Uh, same place, same time, same channel. Thank you again for listening to Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast.